Welcome to the podcast edition of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. I'm your host, Pat Braden, broadcasting to you over the virtual airwaves from the Love Shack studio here in the heart of Old Town Yellowknife Northwest Territories. Now, I'm a bass player, Chapman stick player, singer-songwriter, and I've been playing music throughout the North since about 1977. As a young musician, I was caught up in the explosion of popular music in the world through the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. As I got older, I thought there must have been the same thing happening up here, just in a different place and on a different scale. So in 2003, I started to interview the older players who taught me most of what I know today, and many more musicians that I'd only ever heard of. My intention was to have an accessible and free place where anyone could go to learn about these players and the musical times and the lives that they lived. Over the years, I've collected 30-plus interviews and created an archival website at www.musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. Now, some of these interviews are quite long, so I wanted to bring the core of their stories to a more accessible format. So I created this series of podcasts to continue the celebration of the musical lives of these northern musicians who performed in northern Canada from the 1950s through to the mid-1970s. Thanks for tuning in. Please send any questions and comments to me through this website. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. In his interview, Métis singer-songwriter Pat Burke paints a magical picture of the vibrant music scene of his youth in his hometown of Tabacha, Fort Smith, Northwest Territories. There were a number of bands in town made up of local and student musicians from other communities in the NWT who were attending Grandin College and Brainerd Hall residential schools. Pat stepped up to the microphone when he went to Acacia Hall in Yellowknife in 1966. His band, The Mystic Monks, was one of three Yellowknife rock bands popular at that time. I've jammed with Pat on a few open stages in the bars and saloons, and on festival stages here in Yellowknife and in Fort Smith. In 1986, we shared the stage at the NWT Pavilion at the World Expo in Vancouver, B.C. When Pat steps onto the stage, his powerhouse voice commands the entire audience. His voice is always dead on, and he holds nothing back. He is a relentless champion of live music and its power to move people. Pat is one of the co-founders of the South Slave Friendship Festival, a music festival sponsored to celebrate the live music scene and to mentor the next generation of young singers and musicians in his hometown. The festival ran consecutively for 24 years, from 1989 to 2012. Pat Burke is passionate, not only about his music, but also his Métis ancestry and culture writing his own songs in homage to his offspring and to his ancestors. I've been surrounded with, with music through all my life. It, it very early was country music. But my dad, who fancied himself a singer, used to sing some show tunes, right? So he'd be singing something from Porgy and Bess or things like that, right? An old Irish half-breed from, from Fort Rez, right? So I never even thought about singing, but I used to sing. I remember um, we were in a clinic one day, so my mom was seeing the doctor, and there was a Johnny Horton song 
on the radio. And I started singing along to this Johnny Horton song. And I, I mean, there was nobody else but me in, the, in this waiting room. And there was a lady at a desk behind me, I guess. And so when my mom came out, she says, that old boy's got a good voice. She says, you should put him on this kitty talent show that CFRN had back then. This was in Edmonton, eh? So anyway, <laughs> I sort of slept it off, my son the singer, yeah. I never really got into it, but I always sang. I love singing. So taking it the first time I stepped up to a microphone, it was an unfortunate set of circumstances that brought me to this. I was in a cage show hall at the time. And I was about 15, 15 and a half, 16. And uh, Tom was in the band, Tom Hudson was in the band. And his grandfather had passed away, so he came back to Smith's for the funeral. And uh, I think the band at the time was the start of the Centenaires, which turned into Universal Music Machine and, and so on and so on and so on. Oh, okay. Who's in the band then? There was a fellow by the name of Thrasher from Manuvik, and David Avalik from uh, Kogluktuk or Cockermine back then, uh, Eddie Basie, and uh, I think it was uh, Archie Plamond that played the keyboards. So anyway, like I said, I was 15, 16, somewhere in there, and I'd never sang in public before. The guys around Kachor heard me sing. Because I always sang. I sang along with the records and everything of the time, right? And like before that, we didn't have the cassette tapes or the, the radios or whatever, right? And I, have, I remember having a little rocket radio, if you, if you remember those. Basically what it was, was this little thing shaped like a, a rocket that ran on some kind of diode where you plugged in to, uh, or you hooked onto something wire for an antenna and you had earphones and you dialed it and he would pick up the station. But it was shaped like a little rocket. It was about maybe four or five inches long, right? Beautiful. And I used to listen to Top of the Pops from Britain and the Hit Parade. And those were like a half hour every week. And of course, back then, I couldn't afford records. I couldn't afford record players, so what the hell's the point of buying records? Those shows were coming through. Were they coming through on CBC, or are you still... You're still in, they were coming through on CBC. You have to remember that Fort Smith had its own radio station with CBC at one point. My dad used to do, uh, do the Chippewan language program on, on the CBC program, CHFS, I think it was. And then it moved, everything moved to Yellowknife, of course. We used to have this, our own programs here, but it was all country music. So I'd, and it's funny because I didn't become a country singer. I wasn't into country, right? I sang it, but I wasn't into it. So I ended up, like I said, in Acacia Hall at this very young age where Tom had gone, gone home for the weekend for his grandfather's funeral. And the band asked me to come up and sing a song. Well, I didn't know what the hell to sing, right? So I got up and he said, how about Barbara Ann? Remember the old song by the Beach Boys? So they started playing and, and there I am. And I go, ba, 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 ba. <laughs> and I just kept going, right? With no words, because I, I screwed up. and. So, okay, let's start it over again, you know. And I was really shy. I mean, I was really, really shy. So we started it over again, and I did the song, and then I did a couple more. And that sort of, I mean, it struck me. And that's it. That's what I want to do. I want to be a rock and roll singer. So right after that, a couple guys grabbed me and said, well, let's start a band. I said, nah, I'm here to go to school, and I want to do other things. And it ended up that I thought, what the hell, you know? 
So Tony Buggins was in, in a cage at the time, and Brian Kovach, and a few other guys. So I was talking to Tony, and I said, you play guitar? I said, we should play some music. I don't mind, he said. So Brian Kovach was there, and we talked to him. He played bass. Who else can we get? He's, well, how about Billy Lobb? He's a drummer. Billy is now the dean of, uh, of dentistry at Willamette University, right? <laughs> so here's Billy and, and Brian and, and, and Tony and I. And then we talked to Mark Whitford, and he was just learning how to play the keyboards from Archie Plamondon, who was the, the keyboard player for, for the Centenaires, who became UM Squared, etc. So we all started, and we called ourselves the Mystic Monks. One of the girls in Acacia was, was a bit of a seamstress, so she made these hooded robes for us. And we played our first dance, and we walked in carrying our drummer, Billy Lobb, like, you know, at a funeral procession type thing. And we carried him on stage, plopped him down, and then we got on. And in our robes, we played our first song. And then we, you know, got, got into our regular, we just took them off, took the robes off, and we were in our regular clothes, and we played our first dance. And it was, uh, it was a blast. So after that, we started playing all over the place. The years you were in Acacia with the Mystic Monks, what years would those have been? We're looking at about 66 to 69, 70. What songs were you singing? Just off the top, if you can remember when you were singing in the Mystic Monks, when you, when you first oh, started geez. singing. What, we, were, we were doing the early stuff, like Johnny Rivers and Mitch Ryder in the Detroit Wheels, Devil with the Blue Dress, you know, the, those type of things. And it, <laughs> I even did the Israelites, you know, <laughs> by Desmond Decker. I mean, and, but the words are all screwed up, of course, but it sounded good, right? Desmond Decker was kicking around at that time. Sixty seventy did uh, the Israelites. Orbison, were you doing any of that stuff, like? Or? I did Pretty Woman. Uh, that was a big one for Orbison, and that's the one I did. But I didn't do any of the other stuff. Um, I remember we, I think we did some of Willie and the Walkers, which is a band from Edmonton. And I know Willie's still around because he comes up to Yellowknife every now and then. But we used to do, we did one of their songs, Diamonds and Gold. And that was like around 68, I guess. And then we started getting into stuff like uh, Steppenwolf. I wasn't big on the Canadian bands because until the Juno thing, right? Until they started having the Canadian content. We never really looked at our own at the time. And then all of a sudden, you've got Steppenwolf who came from Toronto, from the Sparrow. And then you've got the Guess Who from Winnipeg. Exactly. And we did some of their songs, like we did These Eyes, Runaway, you know. And we did a lot of the late 50s, early 60s, into the late 60s. Yeah. Those are the songs I'm still doing because yeah. 40 years later, 50 years later, I'm still singing the same songs I did way back when, right? Because I know them. <laughs> when you're talking about people who had were born here or who played music here, going back to the time that we're talking about here through the 1960s and stuff like that. Can you just sort of ream off some of the, the names of the bands and, and, and the people that were around at that time? I mean, this is sort of your, your awakening happening in the mid, in the mid 60s there at Acacia Hall and then sort of knowing the musical community here. Well, not to be on the names of the bands, but I remember Robert Bolio was in a band. Uh, what did Robert play? He played the drums, I think. And and like Marcelo Plamondon, what a voice! God, there were just so many. Some from Brennan Hall. They had some bands there. Yeah. Grandin College, and Antoine Mountain. 
who used to be Antoine Barnaby, <laughs> was in the band back then. Um, of course, there's the Daniels crew. Uh, Herbie Lafferty played in bands when he was younger. He started as a bass guitarist and became a really fine guitarist. The Daniels boys, Bimbo and his brother, their parents were the ones who, who put out a lot of, who helped a lot of young people get into the music thing. Really? Yeah. Because okay. they had their, they bought the equipment. Yes. Yeah. I remember there was Bimbo and uh, his, his brother and his cousin Randy, and they were at the Blind Onion, right? And they started in like about 66, 67 too. They, they were playing at the Blind Onion or that? They, 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 are, they were the Blind Onion. Okay, that was, that was the name of the band. The <laughs> but throughout those, those early years, uh, they had guys like Danny Bodverson, who played with them and and myself and a few others. We used to go over to Chip to play for dances and he'd play for dances here and and uh, it was a real blast because we had had a lot of fun, right? And again, it wasn't much money, but it was yeah, a lot of fun. just just for fun, eh? There's just that time and as much as the Boyella and I've had at Zakicho Hall and there was you know, there was a lot of bands and a lot of visiting bands coming through. Um, what people say down here, the number of bands that were happening. Um, again, John Landry sort of talks about it, Alan as well, about the battle of the bands that they used to have here. We had a battle of the bands here, and it, it almost became a battle of the bands. because <laughs> <laughs> We were going to do this big thing, and, and I think we had about four bands. And uh, we were all playing the battle of the bands. And it ended up that we were there well after the dance, and we are still going to the wee hours. The band's got into a fight. Figuratively and literally. And some of the places we played, right? I mean, we came back here in 68 or whatever. 60, yeah, it must have been about 68, 69. And, and we came down from Yellowknife to play for a dance. A couple dances. We played one at the, at the high school. And then we played for an adult dance the next night. The place we played was the old church. It had been de deconsecrated and turned into a dance hall. <laughs> wow. and, and there we are playing in the old church that, that I went, I was an altar boy at in, in the very early years, you know, and uh, it's, it's now reconsecrated and planted where it should be, but where it was originally, but it, it was, it was, it was a thing. And of course, we can't talk, we, we can't end a conversation without mentioning Moxon Square Gardens. Yes. So many bands have gone through Moxon Square Gardens, and, and that was a place to play. The local uh, community hall, which sponsored so many dances, like every Friday and Saturday there was a dance in Fort Smith, up until maybe 15 years ago. Every Friday and Saturday. And it was all live music. So of course, we did a lot of playing back then, back when we were younger. The Legion, the Legion Hall, we played the Legion Hall. Um, the Yellowknife, the same thing. We were pretty much the house band at, at the Legion for about a year and a half, two years. And, um, and we played there every weekend. So that we're still talking the late 60s then? We had, we had a little following, right? Yeah. So it was great. But going back to the 60s again, let's go. I'm going to bounce all over yeah, here. Let's just carry on. Back in the 60s, back in Yellowknife, there were like three major bands. There was a band I was in, there was a band Tom Hudson was in, and the band John Tease and, and Gary and, and uh, 
young Glowish or uh, Alec, I think his name is, and um, Bertrand, Wayne. Wayne, yeah. Uh, the, they were um, stained glass illusion. So you had stained glass illusion, you had UM squared, you had the Mystic Monks, and, and we were the three sort of the bands in town. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden comes in Tony uh, Hillcrest. And they, there's some other guys coming in from Yellowknife, very into Yellowknife at the time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the music scene in Yellowknife starts growing. So there's more and more bands as we go along. Mm-hmm. And it was great. I mean, because then there was a dance every every night. Every bar had a had a band in it. And you pick your place you want to go and, and listen to music. The work was spread around so that everybody yeah. was working? Yeah. And, it, and everybody enjoyed it. I mean, and if... You weren't playing that night, you go listen to somebody else. You know, or you go to a dance or that con or giant or the Elks or, or the Legion, wherever. I still remember, like, there was such a rivalry between con and giant, right? And I still remember, this was sort of after all of these bands I was just mentioning had long departed and, and went their separate ways. John and Gary had another band, and John and Gary asked me to sing, sing with them. So I went and played, I think, one dance with them. And uh, we played at the Giant, was it Giant? Yeah, we played at the Giant giant Mine. We went to play there. And of course, the guys from Con were on one side, the guys from Giant and their girlfriends were on the other. And one of the guys from Con decides to ask one of the guys from Giant's girlfriends to dance. And he was wearing a woolen sweater with the, the collar, right, the turtleneck. And we're, we're playing and all of a sudden, this guy comes flying back from that side. He's got the collar, he's got the cuffs, and the waistband, but no shirt. I just, the guy ripped his freaking sweater off, and he, he comes back here, and it was funny, and the next thing you know, there's a big clash right in the middle of the floor. So here we are sitting there drinking our beer behind our amps, right? And he said, yeah, okay. Boom, stand in hand, they come up and touch the equipment, that's it, we're waiting in, right? Mm-hmm. It never happened, but it, it was just wild, and of course, Cops came and the whole smear, and, and the, of course the dance was over, right? Yeah. But it was something else. Just yeah, quite the rivalry happened oh, between those guys. And, no kidding. But some of the stories, like the, some of the things that happened, are are unreal. I remember playing at a dance, and there was a fight between this guy and his 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 woman, and I'm the one that got the brunt of it. She threw a beer bottle at him, and I was singing some Bee Gees song, right? And I had my eyes closed, and I opened my eyes, and there was this bottle right there, and bang, right in the eye. Shiner, eh? And I thought, <laughs> what do you do? What do you, do? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, want to, you want to hurt somebody really badly. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. That's the end of the dance. Yeah. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into some of the other stuff that we've seen at some of these dances <laughs> under the tables. and. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, again, going going back, I'm just going to hit this. As much as there was music happening in Yellowknife, and, and Yellowknife was a lot bigger than Smith, um, was growing sort of exponentially in that time because at one point in time it was, okay, it's the capital Fort Smith or Yellowknife, yeah. and they chose Yellowknife, right? And so then Yellowknife just sort of exploded, right? But still, here in Smith, like I think per capita as far as musicians and especially singers, <laughs> you guys totally leave us in the dust. Well, homegrown. Yeah, and so why is that? Like, 
maybe it was because we didn't have very much else to do. Of course, I remember back in those days, it wasn't like today where everybody's on sitting there on an iPhone or an iPod or watching TV or... We didn't have TV. I mean, we didn't get TV until 67 and it was canned, right? Mm-hmm. Four hours a night. And again, we got uh, some of those music shows coming in from uh, yeah. from down south. And I remember watching uh, The Poppy Family, you know, on TV. Or the Guess Who? Yeah, yeah. Burton Cummings and his... And, you know, I was thinking, holy shit. I look at it now and it's just like funny. And, and I think we used to dress like that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, okay, yeah. is that a Paisley shirt I'm wearing? Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. But I think it comes down to, to what we have and, 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 and what we don't have today, right? What we don't have today is we don't have the time to, to actually sit down and play music or listen to music because we're so busy with other things. Mm-hmm. Or people listen to music, but is it the right music? And it, they walk, you know, you've got the kids all walking around with, with earplugs, and I can't go up and say to my kids, what the hell are you listening to? I don't know what they're listening to. Yeah. But we put some time and effort into it. And, it, and I remember there was a place just down the street here called The Right Spot, and they used to have dances. And there was the fiddle music, you know, and the, and the good old-time Métis fiddle music, and, and my mom and dad dance they love to dance and they go to these dances now of course they drag me along to the dances right or they'd go to somebody's house and have a dance i mean you get 30 40 people in, in some of these small houses and they'd all be dancing you know and so that's the t- type of thing we grew up with so there was always music around and i think that's where we sort of pick it up from i mean you look at a place like res which turned out a lot of musicians as well mm-hmm. probably again even more than Yellowknife did uh, on a per capita basis, right? And it was the same sort of situation. We didn't have anything else to do. We had all this other stuff going on. That as well, and when you talk about your parents taking you to the dance and talking with different people that you're talking about, Alan Daniels' parents and helping out lots of players and different bands yeah. and stuff like that, it just seemed like there was your father singing uh, show tunes and carrying that with them and exposing you and probably a few others uh, in town. My, my whole my whole family my, my on my dad's side. My my uncle Gabe thought he was a singer too, and he sang for everybody, right? And and he'd shame the crap out of us, right? <laughs> I'd be walking down the street. I'm I'm ten years old, twelve, eleven years old, you know, and all of a sudden here is Patty wrote a letter to his Irish Molly Owen and that thing. Jesus, Uncle Gabe, you know, you know what you're doing to me here, you know. He knows exactly and, what he's doing. <laughs> but, but it, it just, yeah. It, and it was all love. I mean, it, they, it, he wouldn't have done it if he didn't care about me. You know, he just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you sort of think back and you think, oh my God, you know, there I was, and it, when you're 13 and you're sitting in a restaurant, surrounded by young girls who either think you're cute or. Or they're your friends, right? And all of a sudden, Uncle Gabe comes in half cut and he starts singing to you, and you're like, Jesus. <laughs> but what do you do, eh? Yeah. And my dad loved his Irish songs. Uh, my great grandfather was Irish, right, from Ireland, right? And the rest of the crew was all Metis and, and, and Indian, right? They're yeah. Dene. But he had that little Irish thing going. And I mean, I, I have it too. And, 
you give me some Irish pipe music and you throw river dance on and I'm kind of a little crazy, eh? You know? It does that to you. But, but I think at an early age, too, uh, you know, people knock CBC now. I look at it, and had it not been for CBC, I might not have liked things like the Mikado or or uh, listening to different uh, different composers like Brahms or whatever. And and I think it sort of gave us a well-rounded music. Yeah. But also the drums, right? From from the tea dances we used to have because we used to have tea dances here, and of course there's always that that Métis fiddle man because that's. That's a stream of life for the, for the people around here. Of course, you have to remember, Fort Smith is the largest Métis contingency in, in the territories. Right? Yeah. So, it's always been music. There's always been music in, in, in my life. And even when I was a kid with, with the radio. You go right. back to the, the early The early music, music, but it's the music that we grew up on, and that's, that, that seems yeah. to be paramount. It doesn't really matter what generation you're talking about. And it's the just, soundtrack of our lives, as they say. That's exactly it. And when you were 16 or 19 and that hit song came out, it takes you right back there right yeah. now. And that's powerful stuff, you know? That's really powerful stuff. I remember rehearsing. I remember um, To Love Somebody. We did it like 30 times in one morning. And just to learn the words and so we could learn how to play it properly. 30 times, and this was in Acacia Hall, and unfortunately, it was under the girls' dorm. So of course, the next day, we got it, right? Because we were down there like at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Oh, okay. I was like, Jesus, you guys couldn't shut up? <laughs> the same damn song over and over again? So we got it from 300 girls, right? And it was just like, yeah, okay. You like it when you're dancing with your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, See you on Saturday night at the dance, you'll be up there on the dance floor. Yeah, <laughs> you will. You watch. No, that's, uh, I've uh, probably known that over the years, but uh, I think with every year that goes by, I appreciate it that much more, you know, and if I yeah. can, you know, you and I, or if we do uh, When a Man Loves a Woman or whatever song from that era that you know, and you can see it happening right in front of you. You yeah. can see that that transition in that person and you give them that sort of moment of it's joy or, yeah. just, or, or release or uh, uh, recollection or nostalgia take your pick any one of those yeah. things yeah, I've never like I've never professed to be a, a good singer uh, other people say I, I'm not bad but I, I remember playing at the well the Gold Range of course everybody played the Gold Range right I remember playing at the Gold Range and this one young girl looking at me like I was some kind of tin Jesus, right? I was doing uh, Crying by Roy Orbison. And, that, and that's a song that's going to blow your socks off if you do it right. And I did it right, because I practiced it a lot, right? And she was looking at me like, man, it has to be the greatest in the world. And then I got off stage and it was just another, another old man moving around the gold range, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you were a real person for that, but... Yeah, when you're up there doing it. Yeah, there was a hot stud on the stage a few yeah. minutes ago. What happened? All of a sudden, there's this old man here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when, when, when that happens, for sure. And you still get out and sing. As much as I can. As much as you can. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, it sounds like you've lived through some wonderful times. Oh. Sang some incredible music, made a lot of people happy. Had fun. And you had a lot of fun doing it along the way, so it's yeah. awesome. That's wonderful. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot for, for listening.
I would like to thank Pat for sharing his rich musical life story with musicians of the Midnight Sun. To hear more, see photographs of his life, and the full interview transcript, check out musiciansofthemidnightsun.com, linked in the show notes. You can follow along as well on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to support the continuation of this project, please donate it on our website, musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. I would like to thank the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee and the Northwest Territories Creative Industries Economic Recovery Fund for supporting this podcast series. And to thank the Northwest Territories Arts Council, Government of the Northwest Territories Department of Education, Culture and Employment, the Yellowknife Community Foundation, and the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee for supporting the website so far. A full list of supporters can be found on the website. The archival audio of this podcast is from the Northern Musicians Project Collection at the Northwest Territories Archives. I'm Pat Braden. Thanks for listening. <laughs>